Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations, explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all SRD20 products today. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by Blind Grass Camouflage Systems. Welcome to the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage system available. Tired of constantly having to rebrush your blinds? The smell of rotting grass in your blind? Or grass that pokes and cuts? Or grass mats that have no depth in color and don't last throughout a season? No more cutting brush. Our patent pending blind grass will not rot or mildew and is 100% waterproof. It's available in mats or bundles for any application, whether you have a permanent blind, a boat blind, or a small layout blind. And it comes in natural dead grass colors and is paintable to match your unique surroundings. You can visit us on the web at www.blindgrass.com to place your order today. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Robray, and I'd just like to take this time to thank you all for tuning in to a brand new episode with us here. We are now sitting at uh, September 25th, 2022, guys, and if today is kind of a bittersweet day for us for the most part because it is the last day of the 2022 till season here in Louisiana. So uh, I hope you guys are having an opportunity to get out there. If you're still sticking with it, you know, till season's been good for you wherever you decide to hunt. Hopefully you guys are rounding out your hunts this morning. Um, We're recording this on the road um, on our way back from a hunt that we made. It's now 1049, right about a little bit before 11 o'clock. And most of you that hunted today are probably out of the blinds by now. I know if you're like us for till season, it's pretty fast and furious if you own them. And if you're not, you're out of there pretty early as well. So we, uh, needless to say, we all kind of out the blinds a lot earlier to, to, during big duck season. But uh, but we're on the road. The reason you hear a little bit of road noise this morning is because we're actually recording this episode in the truck. Um, I got myself and I got Jackson with me. Um, and I'm trying to keep him up this morning, guys. He, uh, he didn't sleep last night. He was excited to go on a hunt this morning. And, uh, and where we went, I'll kind of fill you guys in. And that's what this episode is going to be about. But, um, you know, if you followed us over the last couple of weeks, it's been really tough for us hunting public land. We hunted the opening weekend. We ended up scratching. We hunted last weekend a different, you know, different spot than we had hunted opening weekend. And we had a scratch again. And we were in the marsh both weekends, in the freshwater marshes here in uh, southeast Louisiana. And, and to be honest with you, I was just... I was disappointed to see that the birds just never really showed up for teal season here this year. And we were expecting it to be pretty good 
um, just based off of the data that was out there as far as the you know the numbers of what they were saying there was a big increase in blue wing teal population uh, when they did the surveys a while back so that kind of you know the, the surveys along with a wet a wet year so far in the breeding grounds I was really hoping that teal season was going to be jammed up and uh, areas that we hunted over the last two weekends were areas that we traditionally kill quite a bit of teal in um, now the story just you know never did unfold the way that we hoped it would because the birds never showed up in those areas that we hunted the first two weekends so fast forward to this weekend we get three full weeks of, of teal hunting here in louisiana we're now in the last weekend like i mentioned and uh, i got a message from a buddy of mine that i went to high school with and he's a he's a listener to the channel he listens to our uh podcast um, he also follows us on our social media platforms, our YouTube channel, and uh, and he's a great guy, somebody that I went to high school with. He was a little bit older than me. I was actually more in age, closer to his younger brother, which uh, which we ended up playing sports in high school together. So we knew each other, but what I didn't know until just a couple of years ago is how much of a, of a huge waterfowl hunter he was. And, uh, and he started reaching out to me when he would listen to podcasts. Uh, that we were doing he would reach out he'd comment he'd give me some insight on what he he saw out there in the field what he thought was going on um, and just struck up a, a, a you know a friendship again kind of that we hadn't talked to each other in many many years so that was kind of cool to uh to get back in touch with this particular individual and uh this week i got a message from him saying hey look um we've been doing pretty good which i knew that they had been having a pretty good teal season they have some leased land in between Whiteville and Bunky, Louisiana. So more west of where I'm at, living at, you know, and where we have been hunting at. And it seems like for the most part, the better teal hunting this season has been on the western part of the state, you know. So your typical, you know, rice fields and, you know, crawfish ponds, that type of stuff. But it's not a guarantee, you know. It's not a guarantee. And when I say that, what I mean by that is there are guys that I know that are hunting a lot on these rice fields that are having a good teal season they have a good bit of birds but then you can be a field or two over hunting a different set of blondes and get those guys are not having a good season you know so it's kind of it's kind of crazy how it's working out this year and it's been a weird teal season if, if i'm going to be honest with you on it you know but they have been having a very successful teal season so far and uh and they just seem to be on that x is where they are where these birds want to go now granted this is lease land you know you guys follow us here we are 99.9 percent .9 public land hunters you know we, we typically hunt wildlife management areas here in louisiana and that's that's our game that's kind of what we do we, we bounce around we go where the birds are but till season you know um we have limited amount of time and we don't have as much off time as we do during big duck season so with work schedules you know ball game schedules with the kids all that type of stuff we only get to make one hunt per weekend right now that's what we've been able to do so my buddy calls me up he says hey look he says uh why don't you guys or would you be interested in coming down and hunting with us this weekend i know it's a it's a pretty good little trip for you it takes us about two hours to get there from where we live at he says but i think it's going to be worth your while he says uh so let's try to plan for the weekend this was last week he was he was messaging me and I said, okay, I said, sounds good. Let me know as we get a little bit closer. So 
We got closer to the weekend. He messaged me. He says, look, y'all still interested? I said, absolutely. Talk to Jackson. Jackson said, yes, I'm interested. Dad, I want to go. We need, to, we need to at least try to make an effort to round out teal season on a good note. He says, if they're killing birds and you're okay to drive, let's do it. So if you know us, you know me personally, there's no problem there. I will get in the truck. I will drive as far as I got to drive to make a hunt where we know there's birds or where we have a friend of ours or somebody that's on some birds. We'll do it, just like many of you will. So that's what we did. We took a little road trip. And instead of, uh, instead of you know, just waking up this morning on this last day of till season and driving all the way in and then all the way back, you know how that is, those long road trips, man, it wears you down. Uh, what we did is the area that we hunted is not too far from where I grew up at in Ville Platte, Evangeline Parish, Ville Platte, Louisiana. Uh, in that area, like I mentioned, this area that their lease is in is in the Whiteville slash bunky area it's kind of all bunky louisiana whiteville louisiana kind of all uh, one big general area and this is a this is a very traditional agricultural area guys and what i mean by that is you're not talking about a lot of sugarcane in this area this is your traditional louisiana ag area big big rich traditions as far as rice you know goes rice production goes soybean production goes and yes there is some sugar cane that you're starting to see make a uh make its way into those areas because sugar cane is such a big cash crop now that you are starting to see some of that but it is very rich in the traditional you know stuff like rice and soybeans um sweet potatoes that's another big one potato forming in that area but it's you know right when you're talking rice you're talking soybeans, you're talking duck food, duck habitat typically. If you got water, a lot of these areas pump water, they irrigate for the crops, so they pump water in because it's at that time of year right now where they're cutting rice, they're cutting soybeans, um, and you know, they're also looking to make good habitat for duck habitat because of teal season, and then you have big duck season coming up as well. So there's a lot of, lot of rich duck food in this area of the of the state here in louisiana so uh what was cool was that we, like i said instead of taking that drive in this morning to hunt and then also driving back this this afternoon after we hunted my um, i grew up not too far from where we hunted my parents still live there we went ahead we went over to my parents yesterday on saturday after work drove in and uh one thing that i did yesterday was i kind of took jackson on on a on a little a little tour of kind of you know some of my grounds that i grew up hunting when i was a kid um we visited a place that uh that is very well known for rich traditional duck hunting it's a duck hunting not necessarily a club you would call it but it, it kind of is like a duck club um and that's a place called miller's lake and miller's lake is a family owned and operated duck hunting uh you know lake that is rich in waterfowl tradition uh, many, many generations of families have come through there, have hunted there their whole lives, and, uh, and it's offered really good waterfowl hunting uh, since its creation many decades ago. And just to give you guys an idea, a picture or paint a picture for you of what, you, what you're looking at when you, you, know, you go to Miller's Lake, it's, it's a big fishing lake, kind of. It's real you know, popular in the summertime for fishing, very good brim fishing, very good bass fishing that type of stuff but this lake 
is located out in the country and it's surrounded by those ag fields that we were talking about and specifically rice fields is what it's surrounded by so if you can imagine a, a you know a buttonwood tupelo gum you know swamp that's flooded which is what the lake terrain is like surrounded by ag fields rice fields soybean fields um you know it makes a perfect setup for duck habitat um traditionally through the years you will kill numerous species of waterfowl when you frequent or get an opportunity if you ever get the opportunity to hunt miller's lake so it's been traditionally over the years mallards gadwall lots of teal um I, but but honestly i could name all the species you, you'll get a little bit of everything in this area but what's really cool about this area and that's i wanted to show jackson a piece of is when you drive up to it it's a big levee that surrounds the lake and they have camps there for the members who have been in the in the you know in the lease for decades like i mentioned their families have had these camps there forever and uh what's cool about it is these little camps these little duck camps are built on this levee and underneath them they have houseboats where a lot of the members that hunt on a regular basis they will keep their boats in the water underneath their houseboats and these little camps have trap doors in them that the guys wake up in the morning open up the, you know get their stuff together have breakfast have their coffee open up the trap door and it goes down a little stairwell down to the boathouse where the boats are ready to go guys put their gear in there and they take off and they go to their blinds that they're gonna hunt now i was explaining to him he asked me he said when, when we went yesterday and we kind of sat on the levee i showed him what the terrain looked like what the camps looked like he said dad he said uh you know how do how do you know do you just pick a blonde and do you go hunting in a certain blonde and the way they do it is all the members get together in the morning and they basically draw for what blinds they're going to hunt that day and that's always how they've done it and that's that's how they do it as far as i'm aware to this to this day also and guys not to get off subject but right now like i mentioned we're in the truck recording this episode and i'm crossing henderson uh, over here by the Chafalaya Basin. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but boy, the water levels have dropped. They must have drawn Henderson down big time now. It's, it's looking pretty beautiful, this, this habitat. Boy, they got, it makes you realize when they draw this area down how much, just how much wood and old cypress they got in, uh, in Henderson, in the Henderson Lake area. But, uh, but anyway, I know that's a little bit off subject. I'm getting off subject, but going back to miller's lake guys that's how they do it they basically show up in the morning all the members draw forward blind are gonna hunt and they go and they hunt they have their boats already set up underneath their camps and their boathouses and it's it, these little camps are not much they're exactly what i'm saying camps nothing extravagant they are made to hunt they are made to have suppers with your buddies get together with your buddies i can't tell you how many parties i went to there in high school friends that of mine that i hunted with we had parties there um and just tradition man i mean it's just tradition that's what happens all the all the weekends the hunters get together during the season they go to the camps they cook they play cards they drink too much they tell lots of lies tell lots of stories and just make memories that's what that's what they do and we always talk about that years talking about making memories all the time so 
I took him out. Like I said, he was he was amazed to see that guys yesterday. And uh, and we're gonna we actually got some footage of it on film that we're gonna try to post up on our YouTube channel, uh, so you guys can kind of see what we're talking about, and uh, and kind of see for yourselves. Because if you've never heard of Miller's Lake in Evangeline Parish, chances are you haven't heard of it because you've never been invited as a guest to hunt there. Um, but you may have you may have heard of it because of the fishing, you know. So you know there's great fishing, like I mentioned, good bass fishing, uh, really good pan fishing. And the way they operate the fishing side of it is during the summer, it's open to the public for fishing. But once waterfowl season opens up, it is then closed to the public, and it's only members only at that point that are allowed to access the lake and hunt in the lake. So uh, it's a pretty cool deal. And I grew up five minutes behind my house is where it was located at. I grew up five minutes from the launch um, and I made many, many hunts there over the years, some, some spectacular hunts with friends of mine. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, went to college at LSU. I had a good friend of mine who was uh, named Richard Miller, and he was part of the Miller family that originally founded the whole setup over there. So that, you know, knowing him growing up, I spent many times, you know, many nights, many days hunting over there. Um, and we just had some good memories, man. We had a lot of good times out there. But if you've never been, it's something that you would have to see to experience it. And I know there's places all across the state of Louisiana. <clears throat> there's places wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm sure you guys have places that you've either, you know, been a part of through your family um, that are similar to what I'm talking about. Or you've been invited maybe with a friend. Um, to these duck clubs that have these rich traditions and it's a it's a pretty cool thing man it is very much still alive um, those those lessons those those traditions those stories that we're talking about that I'm talking about right now are being passed down from generation to generation still and that's that's a pretty cool thing to see you know when we were there yesterday we were sitting on the levee and they had one camp that must have had 15 or 20 trucks at it and I'm talking about a little camp and it was it was a, it looked to me like you know some guys that were in high school possibly they had their camo on they had their shotguns you know they're probably there for the weekend because it's the last weekend of teal season and uh and they were just they were they were you know cooking a supper they were having a, a supper at the camp they were drinking having a good time and uh and just you know staying out of trouble for the most part you know so it was, it was pretty cool to see though that those younger guys doing what we used to do 20 30 years ago you know and uh and i told jackson i said what blows my mind is these camps as i was showing them these little camps all along the lake um just i said man jackson they haven't even changed i said they're exactly these camps are exactly or look exactly like the the day i remember them when i was hunting there 20 25 years ago you know it's crazy that they just those memories come back to you and you see stuff that hasn't changed a whole lot, you know. With all the stuff that we got in the world that's changed over the last couple of years or even the last decade, say that, this little area from a water how, waterfowl, waterfowl, waterfowl hunting perspective has not changed. And it's pretty cool to see that, you know. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I did yesterday. I took him around there. We went to a local sporting goods store in my hometown that I grew up in yesterday. That was loaded up, by the way. That This little place, um, Industrial Supply, they call them. It's a little sporting goods store, 
kind of a kind of a little general store. They have a little bit of everything in there, but they were loaded up with more hunting gear and shells and all that stuff than I've seen at my local Cabela's, Bass Pro and Academies in the bigger cities where we are now. So that was pretty cool to see. And a lot of times, I, you know, I always tell people that I say, don't forget the mom and pop stores. When you're looking for gear, you're looking for shells, you're looking for whatever you need for hunt season, you can't find it. A lot of times your little mom and pop stores are going to have it. They, they do have it. And this little store, Industrial Supply, in my hometown of Villeplatte yesterday, we stopped in at, they had it. They had what you needed. We were able to pick up a couple of items yesterday uh, for, for hunting season. And I was glad to see they had a good bit of waterfowl hunting stuff in there. You know, a lot of sporting goods stores I find nowadays, guys, I don't know if y'all feel this way or not, but uh, even like my local Cabela's, you know, they don't have nearly the waterfowl hunting stuff that they it seems like they used to have back in the day um, whenever I would order from Cabela's. But I, then again, we were ordering from catalogs and stuff like that. It wasn't an actual brick and mortar store. So you could house, you know, you could, you could definitely have a lot more to offer when you're shopping through a catalog or online <clears throat> as compared to what you could fit in a brick and mortar store. So I get that. But I look at a big 160,000 square foot store like Cabela's that's 10 minutes from my house right here in Louisiana, and they don't have a fraction of the waterfowl hunting gear that this little store in my hometown I grew up in had yesterday. And I mean, why? You know, it makes me question why. Why? Why? How can that little store have so much gear? that I can walk in and buy right then and there. Don't have to order. Don't have to get online. Don't have to do none of that stuff. And these big stores can't even, you know, I can't even find certain types of shot that I want. I can't find, you know, certain pieces that I need to add to my, to my decoys, you know, that type of stuff. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You know? So I was amazed by that. So shout out to industrial supply in uh in my hometown of Ville Platte yesterday because you guys are doing it right uh making it easy for the hunters to go in get what they need and get out of there and keep them stocked up man so that that was pretty cool that was another little stop we made yesterday and then uh and then we went over to the parents man we uh you know those of you who don't know me on a personal level my my parents own a restaurant that they ended up you know taking over that my grandparents started 40 years ago in my hometown and it's a little small mom and pop place, a little dive-in, fried chicken restaurant, uh, hamburger restaurant, and some of the best just comfort food that you'll ever eat in your life, man. So, of course, we were looking to go grab a bite to eat last night, and we uh, we got uh, we got Grandpa to hook us up with some some food from the restaurant last night. Had a good meal with them, and then uh, me and Jackson said, "Well, we better get to bed." Because we got to be there early this morning. So whenever I pulled up, you know, the map quest, I started looking at that. And we were only like 20 minutes from the place we were going to meet my buddy and them to do some hunting. So uh, so that was pretty cool. You know, it was a good idea. It ended up being that we drove on over, slept there overnight. And then uh, we were able to drive 20 minutes this morning and, and meet them to go hunting. So really didn't know what to expect. I have to be honest with you. You know, fast forward to this morning, guys. Wasn't really sure what to expect other than the fact that I knew that they had been on teal pretty much all of this teal season. So I knew that. In the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm taking a drive two hours down the road, but there's a pretty good chance that we're going to kill some birds and we're going to see some birds. You know, we're going to have some birds. 
The only thing, you know, is this week, temperatures kind of warmed up, you know? Yeah, they had a lot of birds last weekend. This weekend, heading into the weekend, looks like temperatures, man, we back up in the upper 90s. Yesterday, we were at 98 degrees with a heat index of 106. And if you blue-winged teal hunt, and you know teal, blue-winged teal specifically, they are very funny creatures as far as temperature goes. And whether or not they there or they not there, they move around a lot. Um, and it could be a drop in a degree. It could be a rise in a degree of temperature. And it'll get those those birds either in there or out of there. It's one or the other. So I was kind of hoping that, you know, with it warming up, they were going to do pretty good yesterday. And uh, and my buddy, Borton, he called me and he said, uh, he says, look, he says, when we were deciding if we were going to take that drive on Sunday, he says, I'm going to give you a report on Saturday. If we do well, we'll hunt Sunday. He said, if we don't kill nothing Saturday, he says, then it's no issue. You take the drive over to come hunt. You know, we're not going to hunt. I said, okay, sounds good. Well, he calls me yesterday uh, about 8 45, 9 o'clock. And he says, okay, we're going to hunt. We ended up with 17 birds this morning. I said, okay, 17 birds are 17 birds. That's good enough for us to take a drive, visit with the family, um, and make a hunt, you know, to try to round out till season. So this morning, I kind of expected there to be some birds, but I didn't know exactly the surroundings we were going to be in. And this little place that we hunted this morning was just a pretty badass just a little, little unique area um and you know it's private it is private and these people um you know my friends that that have this land they hold this you know near and dear to their heart as far as keeping it as tight-knit of a community as they can even though it's a lease or i'm sorry it's a, it's private private land they own this land then they do have issues they told me from time to time with trespassing people trying to poach on the land that type of stuff so they said look they said uh you know we don't want to give specifics exactly if you don't mind uh to where you know exactly we are um you know i asked them we talked about filming to try to get some footage and they said look we don't mind doing it for personal use but we really don't want to put it out there as far as you know people knowing you know what's what's out here because then we start getting people asking us questions and they want to come and this and all that and i understand it guys i mean that's just the that's just the side of you looking at us hunting public land versus somebody who's invested time money um you know into building up their land for private use for their family and their friends you know so i said absolutely no problem um which we shot video all up into the point of the hunt this morning we shot a little bit of video afterwards of course showing what we ended up with today but I was very respectful being a guest to where, I, you know, I didn't shoot any kind of footage for our YouTube channel, nothing like that, um, during the hunt itself. You know, we took some photos, did that type of stuff. But I wish, I wish, guys, I wish I could have filmed this hunt for y'all because it was a really good hunt that we had this morning. And from the get-go, whenever we got there, um, it was just top-notch, man. They, they had built a brand-new permanent blind in this little duck hole that we hunted this morning. Um, it was just a short four-wheeler ride from the camp over to this. And as we were taking a ride in the dark, it was, we were going through these ag fields, and I could see the rice that was, you know, being ready to be harvested. They had a soybean field that we drove along, we went to to get to the blonde. And then all of a sudden, we hit this little hardwood, you know, break, this timber break. And uh, it was all hardwoods with these trails that they have cut for deer hunting. And then this 
one little duck hole is just in the middle of these woods, guys. Just like you, you imagine and you see it on TV a lot of times where they have these little holes set up perfectly in the timber and these birds tend to use this and pile into these holes when they got birds. So we got there. They just built a brand new blind this year, like I mentioned. Um, we had five guys with us this morning. And uh, we had my buddy, who's a junior, his dad, which is Mr. Bart Sr., and then we had one of their friends, and then Jackson and I got to go along with them. So we had five hunters, um, and this blind fit us very comfortably that they had built just an old-school, traditional duck blind, tin roof, covered up, painted camo, nice little you know bench for us to sit in, shelf system built up. Just what I call now being, being a public land hunter, uh, just an easy, comfortable hunt. You know, you could drive straight to the blonde, walk in a little piece. They even had, you know, crossing over the bayou to the blonde, you have to cross this little bayou that's full of duck seed and water. They, they built a nice little bridge that goes across it. Man, you just tote your, your gun in, tote your blind bag in. Decoys were already out in, in, the, in this little pocket that we were hunting in the timber. And uh, just an just a easy hunt, man, as easy as it gets. And it really makes you... I tell you what, you know, it really makes you as a public land hunter kind of step back and say, man, I, there's a part of me that that wishes I had something like that, you know, because as I'm getting older, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 43 years old right now. And as I'm getting older, um, you know, those easier hunts like that, they may not be always the most productive hunts sometimes, but it sure makes life easier as far as uh, getting to and from, you know, and uh it only makes it better when I see what I saw this morning where you have it easy like that, but then you also have birds there. You know, what gets better than that? You know, it doesn't get better than that. That's that's the ultimate that you could ask for as a waterfowl hunter, as a property owner. Um, and that's what we had this morning, you know. So we got there. We, uh, you know, I think we, we woke up about 4.30, 4.45 today which normally when we public land hunt, we're up at 2.30, 3 o'clock. So it was nice to sleep a little later this morning. Um, we met them, we got to the blonde, and uh, we get set up and just, you know, normal conversations, having a good time, kind of catching up because it's been years since we've seen each other, other than the fact that we do talk on social media about waterfowl hunting. We all share the same passion. And uh, and my friend who invited me, Bart Jr., he He's uh, he's always online talking to us, like I mentioned earlier in the show, and uh, and we run in stores by each other, that type of stuff. So it was pretty cool to catch up with them. And I said, okay, what's the situation here? Or you know, have y'all been seeing the birds early? Have they been coming in a little bit later in the morning? And he's like, no. He's like, once that sun breaks those treetops, he said, um, he said it's gonna be, it should be on. He said we should have some birds coming in, and uh, and that's sure enough, that was the case, guys. We had. I think our first group of birds that we had come in, we had probably six or seven in that group. Um, and we got off to a good start. I pulled up, shot one. Uh, my buddy shot one. Um, and what I was really happy about today is that Jackson shot well. He got him a couple on the wing today that he shot. And he also uh, we also we he also laid down a couple of water swats on some that landed, uh, that landed outside the decoy. So what was really cool about this little hole, and we, me, him, and I were talking about this a while ago, is that this hole was the perfect size. And what I mean by that is it was it was big enough to hold, you know, good amounts of birds in it, but it's also 
small enough to where if a bird landed outside of the decoys, like in between the levees of the pond, you could shoot that bird, you know, within the levees of the pond and still be able to reach it. So that was pretty cool. Um, now, I mentioned they've harvested, or not harvested, they've actually, you know, planted, you know, uh, for the, the duck hunting, you know, this year when the water dropped it they can control the water levels in this little pocket that we hunted this morning when they dropped it early in the year they planted and uh and they were able to plant you know my, you know um, food for duck duck source food i guess you should say i should say so um you know that's really good so you had some good natural vegetation in there you had some good uh you know man planted harvest or man planted uh grain that's there for the ducks so that's really really uh, you know a, a good little setup with it and what they did was a lot of tree clearing from what they told us because we were even though we were in a little timber hole the, the way they set up they had this little area of the pond that they called the runway this morning and what it was is a little strip where they went through and cleared some trees and they were doing that so they could see these these birds when these birds make their their passes around the timber hole they could kind of keep an eye on them which direction they're going in they may be coming from and uh it also served as a runway exactly what they said it would do those those teal this morning were hitting they circle they'd hit that open strip that runway so to say and they would come straight up that runway into the pond and into the decoys where we were able to take good good shots on them this morning so uh, so they really have a lot of thought like i mentioned that went into this duck hole that we hunted this morning um this ain't something that's just natural the way it was you know when they said when they started developing this particular hole it was really overgrown um it held a little bit of water but now they have irrigation to it so they can you know adjust the water levels as needed um so it's, it's set up for waterfowl hunting it was a, it was a pretty cool setup for it um the way they got it all taken care of and planned out so uh but we had we had them working in the exact way that they told us this morning we had lots of wood ducks we also had lots of wood ducks if you see the hole you can imagine surrounded by timber there's some natural bayous some duck seed that type of stuff and those wood ducks hold in those areas they rest in those areas um, and then they come to this 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 open hole uh, especially early in the season right now you know because they're not they're not gunshot so we had some wood ducks landing in the decoys this morning we also saw a couple of big ducks that were in the area a couple of spoonbill uh, that were in there this morning flew through the hole tried to cup up and you know and, uh, and then we tried to shoo them out of there just to get those bigger ducks out of there a little bit. Um, but the teal were really active. I would tell you probably shooting time this morning was at 629, somewhere right around there. And uh, right when that, that shooting time where it was getting just daybreak enough, like I said, that first big group of teal came in. And throughout the next hour to hour and a half, we had steady action of, you know, birds coming in. So we kept kind of putting them on, on the strap, counting them as we went. And, uh, and then it, eventually it just kind of died off. You know, after about that first hour and a half, kind of slowed down. We were doing a count on the birds, and we ended up uh, with 20 birds that we killed this morning. So between five of us, we had 20 birds and really not a lot of missed opportunities, to be honest with you. We shot well. Um, you know, especially, like I mentioned, Jackson shot well. <clears throat> For not shooting since last year, I was really impressed with the way he shot, uh, especially on the wing. He shot a couple in the air on the wing, so that was good to see him kind of maturing into uh, into a better shot, you know, 
quality as far as what shots to take, what not to take. Uh, he, there's a couple of times I noticed today just standing by him that uh, wasn't good shots. They were up too close almost, you know, and as fast as they coming into this little hole, it would be tough shots, and he held off, let him make one more pass and come in, and uh, and ended up making a better quality shot doing it that way. So that was pretty cool to see this morning. So every time I hunt with him, you know, he's 13 years old now. He's going to be 14 in January. He's been doing this a long time with us. You know, you guys that are, are following the channel, that follow the podcast, he, you know he's been doing it with us for a long time. But he's at that age now, <coughs> excuse me, where he's really, really, really coming into his own as far as being a, a solid waterfowl hunter, you know. He's making better decisions. His, uh, you know, his gun safety in the blind today with four other guys was really good. That's something you want to look for in a youth hunter that you got to teach them early on, in my opinion. Gun safety, especially when you hunt, you know, guys side by side in a blind, you packed in there. So that was really good to see today. Um, we also had an opportunity to hunt with a dog today, which was cool uh, because that's something he don't get to see a whole lot. We do not have a dog. Um, so that was pretty awesome to see a good dog work today and retrieve birds. He got to see that. He was pretty fired up with that. Um, so overall, I mean, what a blessing we had this morning, guys. It was just a phenomenal hunt for us. Um, for the last day of teal season, for it to go down that way, the way I'm, I'm looking at our teal season is that today made up for the first two weekends that we hunted, you know. And we both said that. We said today made it all worth the while as far as teal season went because we got birds, you know, to work in right in our face, got some good ethical shots on them, had a good hunt, good friendship, got to spend some time and catch up with somebody that I went to high school with, a friend that I, I didn't get to see for many, many years. And waterfowl hunting brought us back together to be able to get together and do it again, you know. And uh, I just listened to my buddies, Bart, his dad, this morning, Bart Sr. He was hunting with us, like I mentioned. And just to hear him <clears throat> talk about the history of that property since they bought it, the stuff that they did to the property to increase the, the value of the hunting and the experiences that they get to share with their family, and he looked at me and he told me, he said, you know, Jacob, he said, I'm old now. He said, I'm 76 years old. He says, but I still get to experience it at my age. I still get to go out and do what I'm doing, you know, this morning and hunt ducks with my son. He said, with my friends and with guests like you and your son. He said, and the one thing in the back of my mind is that I know that when I'm dead and gone, I'm going to have something preserved and this place is going to be here for my grandkids and my kids to enjoy. And you could just see the pride in, in, in his voice. You can hear the pride in his voice, I should say, you know, talking about that. And, uh, you know, I know, I know it's public land hunters, a lot of, a lot of private land people, you know, they get blamed for a lot of lack of ducks nowadays a lot of you know this and that because it's not what it used to be but we can't forget you know that these people like my friends that i hunt with today they are investing for the future for their families to have success in our sport and to carry on those traditions that they've passed down to their kids and at the end of the day that's are we all trying to accomplish that no matter what we hunt or where we hunt 
as hunters, we're a tight knit community and we're all kind of going toward that, that same goal. You know, whether you public land hunt, whether you private land hunt, we all, we all have our preferences there. We all have different budgets on what we're afforded and allotted to be able to do. And it, but at the end of the day, it's just, we're all kind of there for the same goal, just to make memories, to pass down traditions, to see our kids, our grandkids, our friends, <clears throat> have those stories to talk about years down the road. And that's what it's all about. That's why I think waterfowl hunting, in my opinion, as a group, we, it's one of the best sports that you can participate in in outdoors hunting activities, you know? And, and everybody that hunts loves something about what they hunt. But as waterfowl hunters, there's nothing better, in my opinion, than getting in a duck blind like we did this morning with your, some of your best buddies or your children or your grandchildren and seeing those birds work and seeing all that hard work that you put in whether it was scouting public land, <clears throat> whether it was planning for private land property to make your hunts as successful as possible. And that that's, in my opinion, that's what it's all about, guys. That's what it's about, man. You know, we made memories this morning. Jackson's smiling ear to ear as we record this podcast, you know. But he's actually passed out right now with his mouth wide open, drooling. But... He was smiling ear to ear because he did. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity, you know, to go on a public or no, I'm sorry, a private land hunt that's been managed for waterfowl. He hasn't had that opportunity since we've hunted together a whole lot, you know. And he got to see the other side of the coin as far as the the public versus private, you know, today. And he got to see it from a successful hunt standpoint you know so right now i can tell you he's gonna want me to get a but at least with my own property because he's gonna he's gonna think everything's like that every hunt's like that although it's not we all know that you know we all know it's not like that but a young man or a kid seeing what he saw today and the way the birds reacted the way they worked in and him shooting well having some success seeing his buddies around him this morning shoot well, have some success. I mean, it don't get any better than that, you know? And what's cool about him, and I know he's my kid, and I know he's my son, and I and, and I'm, I, I say this just respecting him as another hunter, not as my son necessarily, but what's cool about him is that he realizes that it's not just a given, you know? because you have private land or oh because you you know it's you know he knows that not every every hunt's gonna be a successful hunt and that's part of him growing up on public land and me taking him public land hunting you know because you're gonna have your good days you're gonna have your bad days but the days that are good he cherishes those days the days that are bad yeah we bitch we complain but we also learn stuff we look back oftentimes and we say, okay, well, we could have done this better. Or even the successful ones that we have, when we look them back and we watch them on film, when we do, you know, videos for the YouTube channel or for social media, we use our own videos as sources to go back and study what we did right and what we did wrong, you know? 
and uh, that's just it helps us become better as waterfowl hunters as hunters in general you know so it's pretty cool to see that at his age he understands that side of it and uh, and that's all I could ask for as a parent you know that's really all I could ask for that just tells me that hey I taught him right and other people that we've hunted with have taught him right that he's picked up from you know and that's pretty cool that's pretty cool it makes it all worth it so but like I mentioned guys overall great morning very good happy to end on that note that we did today we ended up at 20 we're gonna go home now we headed home get home we're gonna clean our birds and we're gonna put them that'll be our first little mess of birds for the season for the new year and then we're gonna we're gonna get ready for some small game hunting this coming week we're gonna be heading over to our camp in the Chafalaya Basin this weekend coming up guys we have a short week because what I do is I let the kids miss this is a big tradition thing for us I let the kids miss on Friday for school for opening weekend of squirrel season here in Louisiana. It's something that growing up in my hometown, I mentioned a while ago, we did it as kids our entire lives. That was a huge thing. That's where we learned to learn to hunt, squirrel hunting, small game hunting. And uh, and we always, school was canceled on a Friday. We never had that school because all the dads, all the sons, daughters, we'd all go to the woods and have a traditional squirrel hunting weekend cook camp have a good time get the kids involved and that's coming up this weekend first weekend in october and uh we're going to be heading over and and participating in that so it's going to be a good week for us the kids are going to be excited uh because they have a short week of school this week and looking at the forecast man it is looking freaking prime coming up this week here in uh in south louisiana they're telling us we're going to have lows in the upper 50s lower 60s you know mid 80s during the day which is very nice for opening weekend of small game hunting for squirrel season that type of hunting it's a uh, you know some some years you get a good week a uh, good weather event like that and other times it's like it was last year just miserably hot humid mosquitoes everywhere and it makes it makes it you know a little, little tougher on you it makes it a little tougher on you as far as being comfortable and all that but we have a little group of guys we're going to be heading over to the camp we have a uh, four or five guys my best friend is going to be joining us growing up um, he's been on the on the show before um, troy he's going to be there with us this weekend and uh and we're going to be doing a podcast this weekend guys we have done two or three opening weekend of squirrel season podcast that's kind of a tradition thing now that we do with the podcast on that weekend so we're going to be doing a uh, a podcast from the camp this weekend with my best friend growing up troy he's going to be with us jackson's going to have his best friend with him uh jackson his name is also jackson so he's going to be with us and then we're also going to have hudson so we'll have a good little group uh with us at the camp this coming weekend and we look forward to that so we'll be back in the woods and after that, guys, we might do a couple of squirrel hunts in October, but we're gonna we're gonna start scouting full throttle for waterfowl season opening up here in Louisiana, uh, the beginning of November. So we'll be we'll be back and forth. We got some stuff we're working on with the boat right now uh, that we're making some changes on. We got some uh, stuff that we're working on as far as uh you know being able to paddle in, be a little bit more versatile this year on public land 
and uh it's just a lot going on but we uh we're, we're at a good point right now where we're, we're kind of ahead of everything as far as prepping stuff for the season and we're pretty much about to that point where we're ready to rock and roll um we were ready for teal season we're going to be ready for big duck season and uh in the meantime we'll squeeze a little bit of uh a little bit of squirrel hunting in in between there try to get you <coughs> try to get y'all maybe a video or two on that uh to put up on the youtube channel and uh and bring you guys some of that stuff as well just to kind of keep it fresh with some uh you know some some different content but uh but that's it man that's what we do and that's what uh a lot of you are doing that, that we know personally and uh and we hope everybody gets off to a good start for big duck season wherever you may be listening to the show at some people are starting earlier than others so we hope you're off to a good start we'll be watching down here down south i promise you for all you boys up north we're going to be watching closely to see what kind of birds y'all are shooting what kind of birds you're harvesting and just what species are there what species aren't there and uh and we're gonna keep an eye on it and we're just gonna wait our turn to get started and then we're gonna roll with it at that point guys so but uh but guys check us out don't forget to check us out on our social media platforms uh youtube you can go check us out on our youtube channel if you haven't subscribed to that we'd appreciate it we really do you want to help support the channel people ask us how do i support go to the youtube channel subscribe to it that helps uh, you know follow the podcast that we have here give us a review on apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it um you know we continue to bring this content to you leave us a review it's great to hear the comments uh it's great to read the reviews so that's how you can support us that's how you can support last stop waterfowl um and we appreciate every one of you who tune in to listen to these podcasts we appreciate every one of you who tune into our social media platforms and to all of our great sponsors that help support us, we, we really appreciate everything they do, the products that they offer. You know, we partner with companies that we believe in products that we use in the field. <clears throat> You've heard them all right here on the commercials for the for this show. Go check them out, guys. I guarantee you, if you like us, which you, you listen to this show, you're probably very similar in what you like to hunt, what you like to do in the outdoors. You'll probably like the products that these sponsors offer and that these companies have to to offer uh you know fellow hunters so go check those guys out i know they'd appreciate it we'd also appreciate it and uh share the podcast with your buddies we'd appreciate it guys and if there's something that we could do better or you want to hear us talk to somebody specific reach out to us let us know we'd love to to schedule you know guests that you guys are interested in talking to We'll we'll uh, we'll get them on the show and we'll get together and we'll talk waterfowl hunting. So that's the game plan. But until next time, guys, that's all I got for this week. So thank you so much once again for tuning in to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. We'll see y'all again soon. Take care. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. 
Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast is also brought to you by the Can Cooker. Seth McGinn's Can Cooker is the simplest and healthiest, most convenient cooking system available. The Can Cooker takes the cattle drive tradition of cooking in a cream can and updates it for today's busy lifestyle. Pack the Can Cooker with ingredients and enjoy a mouth-watering, slow-cooked meal in a fraction of the time of normal cooking. Use it indoors and outdoors to cook a healthy meal on any stovetop, campfire, burner, grill, or the new multi-fuel burner portable cooktop from Can Cooker. Visit us on the web at cancooker.com. 